It's time for episode 154 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that only times out after 30 minutes. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and across the internet from me, sitting in for Jason Snell, who's on assignment, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I hear you had a, uh, an eventful weekend. I hope you're recovering. I did. XOXO Festival was great. I stayed with Jason. I think we got too close, and now we've swapped podcasts somehow in space-time. Yeah, this is like a Freaky Friday thing where you've merged. That's right. Switch bodies, yeah. Okay, we've got two great guests here today. To my left, uh, former Macworld editor and author of the recently released Sierra, a Take Control Crash Course, Ms. Sholly McFarland. Hi, Sholly. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks. And to my left, we have the head of development at Giant Space Cat and podcaster on Rocket and Disruption here on Relay FM, Brianna Wu. What's up? Happy to be here. Right. Welcome back, Bree. Uh, let's start. Uh, I get to be the designated co-host today, so let's start with this topic. iOS 10 is here, and with it, a deluge yes. of iMessage apps. I'm curious to know if you guys have found any winners, specifically ones that aren't sticker packs. Jolly, <laughs> anything? Well, it's just not fair to exclude the stickers. I'll just All right. say that. All right. I'm you putting can it out stickers. here. All right. And I think everybody should know about the classic Mac stickers, because... They're cool. It's got Clarice the dog cow. It's got the old school bombs. So I, or let's just get that out of the way that that one is really a favorite. Um, otherwise, I, it's been funny to go through the list because I only started um, testing iOS, iOS 10 in the past couple of weeks. And I had been receiving strange things. And I, I didn't know why I was getting them. So the retro emoji... Uh, pack is clearly something all my friends are using because i've been getting a lot of retro emoji which basically is the ascii uh shrugs and stuff like that um other than that the thing that i thought was really interesting that i saw was uh i translate which is like a you know star trek supposed level of instantaneous translation um that was that was the one that i knew that i wanted to check out next that's kind of the highlights for me so far. I'm curious to hear what everybody else has been looking at. Yeah, so like you, I've definitely been checking out some sticker packs. There are a lot of fun ones. And it seems like every time I open it, there are more and more. But there are a few games available as well. I was checking out one last night with somebody that is basically a tic-tac-toe game. So you can go in and play tic-tac-toe against somebody. It's $0.99, cents, um, which is fine with me. But it's interesting to see how pricing is already becoming an issue in this corner of the app store that some apps that are just a dollar are getting reviews based on the price, which I think is, it's pretty unfair, but mm. you know, that, that is uh, what it is. But I think these like little simple interactions, simple games are going to be really interesting to see kind of where they go. But so far I'm enjoying beating my brother at tic-tac-toe. 
You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up and agree. I think getting rid of stickers in this segment is just unfair and discriminatory. <laughs> I love my Cookie Monster stickers, and I love Cookie Monsters, and I will not be shamed for that. Um, as far as stuff I think is actually awesome, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I haven't found anything yet. Like I think Square Cash might like you know replace Dwala, but as far as like you know asynchronous games, I don't think that's gonna take off and. I, I can't help but feel that this is, it's almost the MySpace paging of iMessages, <laughs> and it's just so much so quickly that I, I, I don't know. I'm not sold on it yet. I think like Apple is typically very um, slow to release things. I think this time they've gone way too fast. So we'll see how it shakes out, and maybe we'll see better games later. But I haven't seen anything that really blows me away yet. Well, I found a few things here and there, but it is truly like just a downpour because everything came out within the last day or so. So a couple things that I saw that I thought were really interesting, a lot of them have to do with interactions and planning, um, which is stuff that you end up doing in messages anyways. So for example, OpenTable as a, an app where you can sort of select a few restaurants and then like send them to some like a group of people or, or maybe your partner or something and be like, hey, I, I was thinking about going out tonight. Here's a handful of restaurants, you know, like vote on them or pick one or something. Um, there's an app called MiniPoll by my friend Patrick Gibson which is kind of a similar idea of like just create a little poll that you can send out to people. Um, Doodle has one for scheduling um, via iMessage. Like I feel like a lot of these, you know, interactions that happen over iMessage anyways and can be sort of codified into these interesting ideas. Um, you know, I think that's a there's a lot of potential there for interaction. Though I will say that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not to be discriminatory stickers because uh, I really like my Star Wars sticker pack. I mean, that's <laughs> going to be an instant win there for me. <laughs> Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's move on to topic number two. Shali, what do you have for us? Well, I was curious to hear um, what macOS 10.12 Sierra features people are most excited about, interested in, or feeling skeptical about, because that's the next thing up. Yeah, I think for me, the the one I'm most excited about, as, as strange as it may seem, is Apple Pay on the web, where instead of having to pick up my phone or my iPad to make a purchase securely through Apple Pay, I can do it just within Safari. And there's a, I think there's a really interesting trend of Apple taking a service that's been locked to hardware and putting it on the web. And yes, it is only Safari, and yes, you still have to have, I think, have an iPhone handy, but... It's a step uh, towards opening Apple Pay to a wider audience, and uh, and uh, especially I think on the on the selling side, on the like the retailer side, being able to have Apple Pay just on your website, not needing to ship an app. Um, I think that's pretty pretty exciting. I try to use Apple Pay anywhere I go. I used it just this morning at Walgreens, and it always um, makes me feel like my card number is going to be safe and secure. And so to bring that to the web in Sierra, I think is pretty exciting. What about you, Bree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Apple Pay on your Mac is the number one thing I'm interested in. Um, you know, for me, I go through extreme pains to keep my address private. It's very frustrating when I make Apple purchase. I'm sorry, credit card purchases to see that just invariably leak out into the wild. Mm-hmm. Like I'll add Captain Brianna Wu just to see who will end up selling mm-hmm. my list. That's very frustrating. But um, you know, I'm also really excited about Siri. I think Siri has always gotten a really bad rap. Um, and I've just never understood it. And I, I don't know. I'm, um, I'm really excited to see that really unfold on my Mac. I, I feel like I have more things that I'm skeptical about. Uh, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I've been using the beta for a little while. Uh, some of the storage related features that Apple was touting for this, like 
putting all your desktop and your documents folders in the cloud as someone who keeps gigantic amounts of podcast raw files on their desktop and at least one of their computers that is something i don't really want uh the optimization of storage where it starts to try and figure out stuff that you don't use i like the idea in theory because i am constantly running up against storage limits on some of my computers but i'm very wary of anything that's going to sort of be like oh yeah your stuff's totally safe in the cloud let me just delete it for you um (laughs) so i'm a little worried about that uh i am interested in the uh, apple watch unlocking uh being able to unlock my mac with my apple watch uh although in the beta that's been a little bit flaky too so maybe it's not quite there yet we'll see i'm kind of curious to see how this all pans out when everything's officially released and we've got the uh uh, the real production stuff here. So there's a, there's stuff to look forward to yet in Sierra. Well, I'm so interested that two of you said Apple Pay because that's one of the features that I've been a, kind of like, huh, okay, maybe that'll be cool. You do actually still have to have your phone or your or your watch with you. So it is dependent on having another device so you can verify your identity. Um, but it hasn't been live yet uh, while I was testing. So I haven't really gotten to test it to see like how cool... Is that going to be? I would say for me, Siri, which seems like maybe it would be the stereotyped thing that people would be excited excited about, actually was one of the most exciting things to use. You can do so many things with Siri on your Mac uh, that it's fun. And I think it's okay for something to be fun on your Mac. I mean, the jokes are hilarious. Uh, Its reactions to things are hilarious. Um, now it can it can file things on your Mac. It can open um, folders for you, and it always does it with you know a little flair. I think it kept saying to me, "Your filing is so styling," over and over again. You know, <laughs> it got some chuckles, um, but I I really enjoyed how it could tap into it can tap into photos, so you can say things like, uh, "Find me pictures of babies," and it really works like it'll it goes through your whole library and then there are pictures of babies almost without error all the way through my photo photo library or i have a collie so i said show me pictures of collies and it gets all the pictures of her um when you realize you can do things like that it it does open up new possibilities of how to interact with your mac And that was more exciting than I had expected. To Dan's point, though, about the the desktop in in iCloud and um, documents in iCloud, I will say that the tidbits people, that's what they are definitely the most skeptical about. But I found it interesting for me that I already am really cloud-based. I hadn't really realized how much I was. I put everything in Dropbox. And the reason I do is because I, I had a couple of catastrophic hard drive failures a few years ago. And <laughs> after, that, after that, I was like, okay, this isn't working. So I, I generally keep everything in the cloud anyway. And what it does is it has the effect of making it be like your computers are terminals. I, I mean, it, it's really kind of old school because everything's in the cloud. You just walk from device to, to device your desktop is always the same. And that was um, that was interesting. I hadn't realized that that was going to be the effect of that, that it really makes it like all your Apple devices are one Apple device all of a sudden. Uh, thanks for that, Shally. That's two topics down, which of course means it's halftime. And this week, 
Our halftime sponsor is Linode. Linode is a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world, and it's a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month, and now that gets you two gigabytes of RAM on your server. You'll be able to choose your resources, your Linux distro, and even your node location right from the manager tool, and once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. I use Linode myself to host my own personal website uh, and just to fool around with command line Linux stuff because it's, it's fun for me sometimes. I'm a strange person like that. Um, one of the things I like best about Linode is that they have an excellent support team. Uh, because they have over 400,000 customers, they have a friendly 24-7 support team who are even open over the holidays. If you have something you need help with, they're always there for you. They're committed to improving their infrastructure. For example, they recently made a switch from Zen to KVM, and their latest Unix benchmark showed a plus 300% performance increase. Linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs. They have the power you require, as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want. And good news, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more. Sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise20 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting Clockwise and the rest of Relay FM. All right, halftime's over. Uh, spot number three comes from Mr. Stephen Hackett. So I know this is the week that many Apple fans are patiently waiting for their delivery person to come with their new iPhones. Uh, some of us are actually still physically recovering from waking <laughs> up in the middle of the night and pre-ordering. Um, I've got a, a 7 Plus 128 gig black on its way on Friday. I was curious to see uh, if you guys pre-ordered, if you did, how it went and uh, what you bought. Well, as a noted uh, philosopher Britney Spears once said, uh, disaster, <laughs> y'all. That's how it went for me. Um, I stayed up till three in the morning like everyone else. And, um, you know, it happened like we were all seeing in Relay's chat. And we're like, we're trying to go through. It finally does. And um, I ordered the Jet Black. And it defaulted for me. Um, like it, the server crashed. And by the time I got my order back in, I am six to eight weeks out. Uh, that said, I went all the freaking way. I went jet black. I went 256 gigs. I want to be able to go to the gym. If I want to watch Mr. Robot again, I don't want to have like <laughs> thought about Mr. Robot that morning before I went to the gym and downloaded it. I just want to have it on my iPhone. So um, I'm all in. And it's going to be really brutal for the next month. Like, watching all my friends uh enjoying their iphone but i'm gonna stay the course yeah as we cackle evilly and run our hands over it <laughs> that's true that's true i am gonna try my merchant i am gonna try the dan mooring gambit and i'm gonna see if i can talk my husband into going over to the apple store on friday <laughs> and buying one so the, the dan more dan Moore and gambit is my upcoming novel that's um, good that's good <laughs> uh so i did so i did the uh sort of the non uh early adopter approach i guess which is to say i slept in i woke up i was like oh <laughs> Uh, I'll see what there, what's left. Uh, I'm on the iPhone upgrade program, so this is the first year that we get to try out how that works. Um, and I, I gather it didn't go well for a lot of people. It went okay for me. I, I opened up the app and sort of looked around. There was my local store is currently being renovated, so I can't go there. <laughs> um, and the next, the other store I would normally go to wasn't even on the list for the upgrade program for whatever reason. So uh, I'm going uh, elsewhere. 
and I will uh, try to pick up a 128-gig black iPhone 7. Um, I thought about the Jet Black, uh, but it was out of stock, for the at least for the upgrade program, every single place that I looked locally. Um, so that's kind of a... I guess that kind of made my decision for me. And I think I'll probably be pretty happy with the Matte Black. Although, when I go into the store, I may just see if I can get a peek at it, because I am super curious to see what it looks like. Uh, and hopefully all things going well, this means I'll actually be able to get one in the store on Friday. Um, and then I can cackle at Brianna as she's waiting in line. <laughs> well, clearly I'm the odd person out here. I am an every other year upgrader, and this is my off year. So... That's just the way it is. I have to wait another year. But my phone will be awesome next year, I'm sure. <laughs> no one will tell you this, but the S in the in the tick year cycle stands for sham. So, you know, I completely endorse that course of action. You know, all I, all I really want is more storage, honestly. That's yeah. all I truly want. I can't fit everything on my phone anymore. All the other stuff is gravy. I had an Android user remind me last night that he can just put a, uh, like a, a smart or a SD card in his phone and just get more storage. And I said, that's fine for you. It's not me. That's not what I'm about. <laughs> Steven, did we answer your questions? I think so. So uh, some of us will be partying and others of us will be sad. So. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not pointing any figures. It's fine. Uh, Brianna. Uh, last topic of the day goes to you. All right. So something I feel pretty strongly about professionally is uh, you know getting young girls interested in coding and kind of supporting them. Um, you know, I know what it was like for me growing up and you know trying to learn to do this stuff, and the culture was just terrible. Um, you know, granted, this was in Mississippi in the late '80s and '90s, but you know everything I hear from parents nowadays is it's still kind of terrible. Um, Apple unveiled a really interesting new tool in uh, iOS 10 for the iPad and it's Swift Playgrounds. And what it lets you do is it has the playground feature that you get in real Swift, but it also has a bunch of uh, coding exercises inside of it that kind of, um, you know, outline how this stuff works to, you know, normal people. It's basically um, an educational tool. So, like, you'll be entering commands and having this little um, Martian-looking person, like, walking around a grid, like, stamping on... uh, activation squares and grabbing gems. So I have my own thoughts on it, but, um, you know, beyond platitudes about how awesome it is to get people to learn to code, I'm curious what everybody here thinks of Swift Playgrounds. Well, I feel like I've only just scratched the surface with it, and I say that as I'm looking down at my iPad where it's running right now. Um, and uh, I, I'm really interested in it, but, you know, I think I sort of think back to my own, you know, experience learning to code, you know, in whatever meager way I can when I was younger. Uh, and I think that uh, for me anyways, and I know for a lot of folks that I know, obviously programming often tends to be self-taught largely, not not completely, but a lot of people, you know, it has to do with the curiosity and sort of pushing boundaries and trying to figure out what they can do. I think exposing people to the to the tools to uh, have these sort of interactive things, I think it's more rewarding in some ways um, because there is sort of an instant feedback to it. And I think especially for some kids who can thrive on that idea of like, all right, I get to see immediately, I get to see the responses of what I'm doing um, rather than dealing with like, okay, I'm going to compile this. Oh, there was an error. Uh, I don't really know what to like, you know, trying to figure that out. I think that there's, there's definitely an advantage to it. Um, but I think it really depends on the, the type of person because I think some people do learn a lot more by having those errors and then having to go ferret out what exactly they did wrong. One of the things I think that Swift Playgrounds potentially could really, uh, you know, do a lot of favors for kids with is, 
um, like making it more accessible for even younger kids um, rather than sort of throwing people into like a, you know, a more advanced programming environment. Swift Playground seems like something uh, like, you know, younger kids could get into and learn how to do. Um, I have my cousin has two daughters who are uh, 11 and 10, and I feel like that this is something that would probably be pretty interesting to them. Um, I don't know if it's something they'd stick with, but it's one of those things where at least like they might play around with it for a while and, and that might spark something else. So um, I, I think it's a cool tool. I, I haven't really gotten a chance to dig into it so, um, you know, more deeply than just the first few lessons. So I, I can't speak to it. its overall like learning how to program thing, but it, it seems like a good start. Well, I thought that it was really cool at WWDC last June that Apple showcased their young programmers. Uh, there was a lot of focus on a nine-year-old girl who was the youngest programmer there. Um, and they also have the scholarship now, the WWDC scholarships for young programmers. Um, I think there's kind of two things going on there. Um, one of the things is that our school systems, our public schools, really don't have the money to buy packages or subscriptions to um, to services to help kids learn how to code. So I think that there is some self-interest, reasonable self-interest on Apple's part in creating a tool that is free for kids to learn because as far as the schools go, uh, there's a lot of pressure to start teaching kids codings, but, but there's not a lot of money to do more than just even buy the devices. Um, so I think it's a great idea for them to have this because... Here, here, here's the future for them of the people who they might hire. Um, and I, I hope that this is the beginning of a trend. There's been a lot of, a lot of, of people trying to get into the space of teaching kids how to code. There's Tinker, which is a visual programming tool. Um, you know, there are some free tools. Uh, but anything that makes it more fun and anything that gives teachers a way to be able to incorporate stuff in the classrooms for the kids who don't have te technology at home, because not everybody has the technology at home to be able to experience um, or experiment or learn on their own, I think it's a great thing because we, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why kids should learn how to code. And one of them is, is because it might open up jobs to them in the future. Um, so I think it's great. I think it's a, a, a smart strategy for Apple, and I, I think it's going to help uh, bring programming to more kids who, um, who it might help them economically. Yeah, I agree with, with all of that. But as far as the, the app itself, the thing that's jumped out at me uh, every time I've been in it is Apple's use of the custom keyboard to mm -hmm, make mm -hmm. certain characters and things more accessible and quicker to get to and way back i think with the ipad 2 when they introduced iwork maybe even the first ipad part of that demo was <clears throat> we can change we can change the keyboard based on what you're doing right so the because it's software we can put different buttons here and you're not just stuck with the the system keyboard everywhere and that idea has i don't think has been really explored very much by even Apple's own first party applications and and so Swift Playgrounds is an example of that of of Apple actually taking advantage that their so that their keyboard is just software and that it can be changed it's not hard plastic buttons and i think that's an interesting thing for the platform and it's hard to come up with a list of other apps that are really taking advantage of that but clearly in something like programming you don't want to be goofing around in those you know second and third level down keyboards to try to 
to get your bracket or whatever you need. And so exposing that, I think, even takes some of the frustration away and makes it easier and less um, less time consuming. Yeah. And I think it's something that other types of apps would benefit from as well. So I'm, I'm glad to see it here, and I, I wish we could see it in more places. Hmm. I think I'm going to disagree with you on that, Stephen. I think um, one of my criticisms of it would be, um, you know, it's one thing in your mind, like part of the, the, the process of learning a syntax is to sit down and actually type it out, right? Like funk and then, you know, open parentheses, close parentheses. Going through all of that, there's just something about typing it over and over again that really helps you get it. Here, it almost feels like you're cheating through a lot of the exercises because you're just pushing one of five buttons at the bottom of it. It's, and I realize it's it's aimed at people that are kind of starting at ground zero, but um, I think if you compare this tool to you know something like Human Resource Machine by Tomorrow Corp, um, I think that you know at least it. For the first few hours of which I've done with it, it's just not as sophisticated a teaching tool. Um, you know, human resource machine really goes through some of the um, the fundamental concepts of computer science, and by the end of it, you are programming an assembly language style machine. Um, for this, at least at the beginning, it's like move forward, move forward, move forward, turn left, collect gem, move forward, you know, just going through all of those steps. So, um, yeah, I'm going to withhold judgment until I've done all of it. But um, I, I think it's, I don't know, it doesn't seem as good as some of the other teach children to code um, applications that I've seen. Um, and I just have to say, one of my worries with this is invariably when we start talking about getting young girls interested in tech, this is what we concentrate on, like giving them something and teaching them how to code. Um, you know, my friend Jean McDonald has App Camp for girls, and that's very much the idea. But that's such a very small portion of what women face in computer science careers. Um, you know, there's discrimination at every single level. There's not being taken seriously if you're gorgeous in your 20s. There's not being given accommodations as you have kids. There is, you know, age discrimination as you get older. Every step of the way, we're fighting all of these forces. So I do worry that if the emphasis is just on, you know, giving kids an iPad with Swift playgrounds on it, I don't think it's going to change much. I think it's going to continue this suicide mission, you know, we're sending young girls on. Um, that said, you know, this does seem like something that I know I would have used a lot when I was a child. And every single parent I know owns an iPad and, you know, forks it over to the kids. So I think that getting even kind of mediocre tools in everyone's hands is a really big step forward. Yeah, I'm happy to see this. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, that's four topics. We have just enough time for our bonus topic. And this week, the bonus topic is brought to you by Hover. Uh, when you have a great idea for your project or your blog, you need to give it a fantastic domain name. Uh, and Hover makes it really easy to find the perfect domain name for the project that you have. They have over 400 domain extensions that you can use to personalize your domain name to your liking. They got the classics, they got your .coms, your .nets, but they have you know more interesting ones too. If you want to branch out, they've got .design, they've got .tech, uh, and for those really special projects, there's there's really no replacement for something like .pizza, .ninja, <laughs> .horse. I personally, my friend Jane has one that's vampire.solutions. I don't know what that <laughs> business does, but I'm super interested in it. Uh, and once you have your domain, uh, you can use it to get a uh, an email address that's even more aligned with your professional goals and it works with whatever email programs you're already using 
So uh, you can find the perfect domain name for your idea at Hover.com. If you go over there and use the promo code 30, that's T-H-I-R-T-Y, at checkout, you'll save 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Once again, that's promo code 30 at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase of your very personalized special domain name. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. And on to the bonus topic, my local uh, cinema is doing a film festival of a bunch of 70 millimeter films, including one of my favorites, Lawrence of Arabia, and I need to go and watch that whenever it's on a big screen near me. I was curious to know if you guys have any particular films that you are such a fan of that if it's playing like on a big screen near you, you're going to drop it and go see. Sholly? Well, our local theater, the Hollywood Theater, um, also shows 70 millimeter uh, films, and they what they're doing is they generally get a classic from the 80s generally or 70s and they they play it about once a month so some of the best ones that we've had come through are close encounters of the third kind and the indiana jones movies Mm, mm. all of those are awesome on the big screen and if all you've done is see them on netflix it's it's definitely worth getting the full uh skin tingling experience that was a good one. Steven, what about you? Yeah, our theater does a very similar thing during the summer. And if Back to the Future uh, <laughs> ends up on that list, then I am there. It's, um, it's a favorite in my household, and it's, it's a lot of fun to see uh, Marty and Doc run around uh, bigger than life. Brie, what about you? Scream! Come on! Like, a lot of us here were old <laughs> enough to have seen that in the 90s in theaters. Do you remember that? When people wear ghost face masks and go see that movie? <laughs> so, you know, Dan, I think I know the theater you're talking about. It's, like, very close to my house, too. And I swear, if I ever see they're playing Scream, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be dressed as Ghostface. I'm going to have a great time. That, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, excellent choices all around. Uh, that's our bonus topic for today. And with it, it only remains to thank our fantastic guests. Shelly McFarland, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And from Giant Space Cat and Rocket Disruption, Bree, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm moving up the leaderboards in number of appearances. Very happy <laughs> about that. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we remind you from all of us here at Clockwise, watch what you say. Keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>